Well, have a seat. Today's car show day. Woo! <clears throat> and I was just looking at the, the satellite imagery and seeing a little disturbance. When meteorologist says disturbance, one of two things happens. Either he gets very excited because thunderstorms are coming, or he goes, oh no, because there's something like a car show that we got right around the corner. Don't worry, it's not going to be like Thursday with that squall line that came through, but there will be some scattered bubble ups here and there. But I declare right here, right now, that this is sacred ground and the bubble ups will stay away. <clears throat> because I will be coming with my drone and uh, hopefully getting some nice aerials uh, so that you can use, by and large, <laughs> I think, you know, I've only got a few more feet left, so as long as you don't mind me doing this. <laughs> there we go, I think we're in good shape. Uh, thank you. Maybe a little bit, there we go, right about there. Thank you. Thank you very much. <clears throat> now I need my glasses, and, and of course, because we're trying to keep it hot with a green mug, I'm pulling out my green mug, and so it'll be nice and distracting. No, only kidding. <clears throat> there we go. I was also telling the prayer group this morning, you know, normally I come up here with four uh, or so pages of notes, and then I started counting, and I went, oh my goodness, I got six pages here. So we're all going to stay here until about three or four o'clock this afternoon. Only kidding. <clears throat> Do pray, though, that I can stay very focused because sometimes, I, unless the Holy Spirit leads me somewhere, sometimes I can meander. I don't want to do that today. I want to stay really focused and, and on track because we got a ton to cover. We're, we're only doing five verses in Colossians. And by the way, we only have, after today, we have two more to go in the book of Colossians, uh, number 10 and number 11, and that will be in early August because next week you have a possible uh, pastoral candidate back, the, uh, the one that has been here several times, and it's Q&A time. So if you have some questions for him uh, next week, you'll have your opportunity to get to know him uh, a little bit better. <clears throat> well, let's pray. And uh, again, pray that I stay on track, focused, but hearing the Holy Spirit's voice as we go. Father, thanks for this day. Um, I lift up holy hands to you for what I hold is your book and your word, which is holy. And my hands are holy not because of anything that I have done, uh, but it's all because you have done it for me. I pray that you will wash my heart clean, keep my thoughts pure and my hands pure as we look at your word and uh, guide us as we look at uh, this passage from uh, this precious letter to the Colossians penned so long ago yet so relevant today in Jesus' name. And everyone said <clears throat> amen. Well, three weeks ago, we started on chapter three of uh, Colossians. 
uh, chapters 1 and 2, if you remember, when we studied that in the first part of this series, uh, those were to shore up good doctrine. And then chapter 3 and 4 were the so what? Once you shore up the doctrine, well, what do you do with that? Well, Paul went on in chapters 3 and 4 and told us what we should do with this great doctrine and, and this mindset that we're supposed to have. It's essentially the rubber meets the road chapters, chapters 3 and chapters 4. It's the practical application of this very rich book, and it has a lot to say about what we're supposed to be doing uh, even in this day. Verses 1 through 11 in chapter 3, that was the practical application in relation to ourselves. And verses 12 through 17, which is what we're progressing to today, still, again, we're dealing with practical things, and these are the practical applications in relation to others. It's a book which leaves no stone unturned in terms of what we should be doing in this day and age. It's very relevant today. So with that, for those that are able to and would like to, uh, why don't we stand for the reading of the entire passage and then we'll start digging in piece by piece and line by line. Everybody ready? And it's up here on the screen if you'd like, or it's on your version, um, the Bible app. Also, all of the notes are available today. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since the members of one body you were called to one peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. May God bless the reading of the word. Please have a seat and let's dig in. Are you ready? We got just a ton of stuff today. Isn't that a rich piece of scripture? I mean, you can dwell on that for a year and just glean and glean and glean if you keep digging. So with that, let's, let's do some light digging at least. Let's go beyond the surface and see what we have. Verse 12 is where we begin. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Well, right away, right from the get-go, we have 
a very important truth, and we're called to understand that very important truth. Let me highlight that truth by asking you a question. You ready? Did you choose God, or did God choose you? Who said God chose me? Thank you. Where is that? That's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Let me read it. For he, God the Father, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Let me ask you a follow-up question. Does this mean that you do not have a choice in the matter? That's something that uh, is called predestination. Does that mean that you don't have a choice in the matter since he chose you? Not at all. Of course you have a choice to make, but well, God knew before he created the entire world and every single one of us what each of us would choose. So it's an interesting paradox. In fact, it's a very strange paradox for us, but it's only a paradox for us that are caught in this time domain. X, Y, Z in time, the four dimensions that are knowable to our human existence. The minute you jump into God's domain who is outside of time, it's no longer a paradox because he knew what you would choose before he even created you, which you know, it, it, it's tough to grab around that with our human minds. We can't. We have to receive that in the spirit. And in my spirit, I'm like, okay, I'm good with that. I have a funny quote from Spurgeon. Um, I, miss, <laughs> I put surgeon in the, the notes, and it, and it came out that way in the Bible app, so my apologies. It's not a surgeon that came up with this, but Spurgeon, the theologian, he said, I'm so glad that God chose me before the foundation of the world because he never would have chosen me after I was born. Isn't that great? Okay, God calls us two things in this passage or in, in this verse. Just in this one verse, he calls us holy and beloved. Holy and beloved, both are amazing considering that he loved us while we were still unlovable sinners. Wow. And how can Paul say that we are holy? How can he, say, how can he do that? Well, as my prayer said, my hands are holy, but not because of anything I have done. It's only because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And because of that, he makes me holy. He drapes me with holy. The Father sees me as sinless. That too, I mean, if, if you stop and just think about that alone, it just stretches the, the mind to the point where you almost can't handle it because you know that's not true in our human existence, yes, but because of what Jesus has done in redeeming us, God sees us as holy because we receive Jesus. Jesus is in our hearts. 
Okay, there are five attributes in verse 12 that we need to take a look at. These are attributes that we need to wear. These are five attributes that we need to physically, mentally put on every single day, a little like the armor of God in that other famous passage of Scripture. But note that Paul tells us that we need to clothe ourselves with these. These are attributes, which by the way are not automatic, I wish they were, just as we get up in the morning and decide what attire we're going to wear, these five articles of behavior have to be consciously put on. And again, they are compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And that reminds me of Ben Franklin. And you're probably wondering, why does that remind me of Ben Franklin? I was gonna mention this, uh, and just for brevity's sake, I decided to, to not show you Noah's note from 2002, but uh, Noah made me a note in 2002. He was five years old. You know how kids love to draw and give you things? Well, through Noah's eyes, he put a giant smiley face. By the way, I still have this, this posted uh, in my office. And he probably wishes I would take it down, but I, it's just too precious to me. It's, it's a picture of a smiley face, which is me, with a big circle around it. And he said, Dad is kind and nice. It's like, wow. What, through his eyes, he saw me as kind and nice. And it's something I have to remember all the time. Was I always kind and nice? He will tell you that that has not always been the case. Uh, however, through his forgiving eyes, that's how he saw me. Dad is kind and nice. Really, really cool stuff. So let me get back to Ben Franklin. Did you know that Ben Franklin developed a list of 13 virtues in his quest for moral perfection? And these are the 13 uh, virtues. They are temperance, silence, order, resolution, frugality, industry, sincerity, justice, moderation, cleanliness, tranquility, chastity, and humility. Now hang on a second. Who can do that? Who can put all of those on in one day and say, I own those? I can't. However, it was Ben Franklin's goal to master at least one of these per day. So if you, if you tackle them once per day, then you can do that. In fact, do we have a, a um, the actual, ben, there it is, Ben Franklin's list. And you can see that each of the virtues is listed on the left, and he has a checkbox, and those checkbox focus on the day. That particular day, he's going to focus on one per day because he thought that that was really Humanly possible, yes, because getting all 13 or even two or three of them in the same day was next to impossible. So he focused on one per day. That was Franklin's chart. 
Well, Paul says we can have all of those virtues that he listed, but only by the power of God in you because it's not gonna come from within yourself. You don't have it. I don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. Sorry, folks, I'm just being honest. But the God in you can do it. And all of those things, all of those points or attributes that are mentioned in verse 12 can be yours. And you can operate in them all day long, not because of anything you did, but because of God working in and through you. Note that one of them is humility. I want to touch very briefly on humility a little bit because I preached about humility from this pulpit before. Humility is not to be confused with thinking poorly of yourself, but humility, rather, is having the right perspective in God's will. The opposite of humility is, can anybody? Pride, oh, you all, you're all so good. Exactly right. The opposite of humility is pride, which is a stench in God's nostrils. All right, let's go on because otherwise we'll be here until five or six or seven o'clock. I hear clapping. I can do that. All right, verse 13. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Okay. You know, all of these beg a question to you, and I hope you don't mind my asking them to you, and feel free to answer them out loud. How much and how frequently has God forgiven you? Daily and a lot, a ton, more than you can ever imagine. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That, that was one of Jesus' prayers, right? I mean, it, it comes back to the Lord's prayer. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive us the Lord forgave you. Verse 14. And over all these virtues, the one that's, that we just mentioned, the five here, and it, these are not limited to the five because you know, obviously we, we can, just like Ben Franklin did, come up with a whole list that are offshoots from these five. So let's get back to the verse. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You see, all of these virtues, every single one of them, as much as you can practice, maybe even once a day, like Ben Franklin tried to do, if you practice them without love, it's in vain. It is an absolute vain unless they are driven by love. Where does that come from? First Corinthians chapter 13. It says, if you do not have love, Nothing good you do will be of any real benefit to others. Nothing. They must be bound in love. Love for those around you. Love of life. 
la joie de vie. That's French. That's not Icelandic. <laughs> That's the joy of life. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, rule. Keep that mind, keep that word in mind, rule. Underscore it, highlight it in your Bible. We're gonna dig into that word here in just a second for a very good reason. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you're called to peace and be thankful. Okay, the word rule here is the Greek word brabeo and it's actually an athletic term which is used as a means to arbitrate, govern, and control. Very similar to what an umpire does in baseball. You're all familiar with baseball, whether you like baseball or not. I'm not a big baseball fan, I'm a fair weather fan. If the tribe, uh, not the tribe, I guess it's the guardian, sorry about that. I mean, how long have they been the tribe? I'm sorry, it's like a century. The Guardians, whatever, that team, the Cleveland, uh, tr the Cleveland uh, tr tr team. So if they make it to the, to the World Series, yeah, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch, and I'm, I'm going to cheer them on. But, I mean, during, during the rest of the year, it's like baseball. It, to me, is, it's a too slow a moving game. I much prefer something a little faster paced, maybe football, maybe soccer, okay. But that's another topic for another time. You see, I, I'm going off track already. I don't want to do that. Let's get back to that baseball umpire. He's making sure that the baseball is thrown into the strike zone. And we are to make sure that the peace of Jesus stays inside that target of our heart to rule. So when you're ruling, you're watching, you're umping over yourself to make sure you're over the target. It's an athletic term. And there are many today, by the way, who observe thankfulness because it says right at the very end of the verse, and be thankful. That's kind of out of left field until you read it in context of the entire passage today. There are many today that are thankful, however, obviously, when you look at society today, compared to even 10 or 20 or 30 years ago, when I was a kid, when many of you were growing up as kids, thankfulness today is really just grossly lacking in the society. Uh, so much of society is growing up in the, in the me, victimization attitude. That's a wrong attitude. We should be thankful all the time for all things. So make it a habit to remind yourself every morning when you wake up to be thankful, even for the fact that you woke up. Like this morning when I woke up, I woke up at 5.45 this morning and I wandered down into the kitchen yeah, it was a little early, um, and uh, maybe I'll take a nap later this afternoon to catch up. But I still woke up at 5.45, wandered down into the kitchen, and I was thankful for the day. I was like, 
Yes, another day. Of course, for the believer, it doesn't matter if you wake up on this side of eternity or on the other side of eternity because I'm gonna be thankful in both cases. See, on this side of eternity, I have the chance to practice those virtues to be his light so that others can come into that relationship with God through Christ because I'm still here. So I was thankful that I've got another chance. I've got another opportunity. Okay, let's get on with verse 16. Let the message, the word of Christ, remember that, word of Christ, remember that passage. Again, we're just like rule, we're gonna spend a little time on word of Christ. Let the message, word of Christ, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude, ooh, gratitude, there's the thankfulness aspect again, in your hearts. Word of Christ. This is a truly fascinating phrase in the Bible. In Greek, it is logos Christos, and it's the only place in the Bible where Logos Christos appears, the only place. So obviously, there's something going on here, and it's worth digging into what does Logos Christos mean? Well, I will dig into that by asking you another question. Does the Word of God dwell inside of you? I hope so. I hear some yeses, and that's great. Let me ask you again, because this was awfully silent. Don't tell me there was only one or two people that this was true. Does the Word of God dwell inside of you? Yes. And, and what is the evidence of that? The evidence should be that you're reading your Bible daily, that you're internalizing the Bible. I gotta tell you something, and, and this is a quick side note. I was talking with Mr. Bosnick about this, about a guy named Bobby Connor. Um, who knows Bobby Connor? Anybody know? Uh, yeah, oh, okay. You know who I'm talking about, right? This guy was on Elijah Streams on, I think it was Friday, and I watched him, it was Thursday or Friday, watched him, and my goodness, it was 53 minutes of nonstop fire from this guy. This guy could not stop it, could not stop talking about scripture. Every time he would talk about uh, an aspect of Christ-like living, he would then point to another piece of scripture, point to another piece of scripture. He had it all in here. Not only that, he had translations all in here. He wasn't, he wasn't talking from notes, he was just talking to the camera. This guy was amazing. You know what I'm going to do? You gotta see this. You got to see this. Go to andrebernier.com uh, anytime late this afternoon. And at the very top of andrebernier.com, you'll see Pastor's Blog. Click on that tab. I will embed that video. If you watch anything this week, watch that. Forget your latest, your, your favorite mystery TV show. Forget your favorite competition TV show. Just throw it out. It's worthless compared to what Bobby Connor does in 53 minutes. AndreBarnier.com, Pastor's Blog, and I'll put that up there this afternoon. It'll be up there all week. 
You got to watch this guy. This guy reminds me of George Crop. George Crop to me was the, the, the man who preached the Bible to us, the real gospel message to our family when I was a teenager. That's how I got saved, by what he... So when you look at Bobby Connor, that's kind of like the same kind of personality. He almost looks like him too. Uh, and he had that, that just that similar joy that was just busting and bubbling out uh, out of his skin. It was, it's, it's an amazing thing. This is a man who had Logos Christos in his physical being. He knew the word inside and out. He had the word of God inside of him and joyful. And when I saw that too, I thought, that's what I want to be like when I grow up. I mean, really, have I grown up yet? Probably not. I'm still a kid at heart. I may be pushing 65 here pretty soon, but I'm still a kid at heart. So someday, I want to be like Bobby Connor. So verse 16 refers also to songs and hymns. For those of you that are young parents, how often have you sung a song to your children in order to elevate their mood to joy? How many have ever done that? everybody's done that. Even if you can't hold a note, you still do it. And of course, the child sees that as an elevation of the mood. It's what we do as parents. I did that as a parent when Noah was growing up. It's what Sally did when, when Noah was growing up. So how many of us would ever sing a song to make someone sad. No. Nobody, good. No, that's not what we do. When you sing songs, you sing songs to elevate not only your own joy, but you're actually bringing joy to the Father. You're, you're laying it at His feet. Hymns and spiritual songs may come out of our lips, but the origin, by the way, is, is not from here or from here, the, where is the origin of the song? The origin of the song is from your heart. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God. There's thanksgiving again. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It comes from your heart. Let me ask you something, and, and I think I might have, this might have been part of a message I preached here once before too about, about uh, uh, singing and songs and styles and all that good stuff. When the astronauts were on the moon, do you think that they could have sung a song, given the, let's just assume you can take the helmet off and start singing, what, you're not gonna hear anything. There's no medium, there's no air. You can make all the vibration in the vocal cords you want, but you won't hear anything because there's no air. Does that mean that there's no song? No, why? Because the song is in his heart, the, the song this is, this is the seat of a song. 
It is your heart and spirit. That's where the song comes in. This, this is just the instrument that we use to express it. So, use that expression. Paul also, Paul also seems to make a direct connection between our knowledge of the word of God and expressing our joy to the Lord in song. The more intimate you are with the word of God, the more likely you're simply gonna break out in joyful song. How many people have done that? I've done that. Just, I mean, you're just maybe meditating on, on a piece of scripture, maybe this one right here, and you just stop and you start to sing. Now, in my case, hopefully, I'm alone because <laughs> I, lo- I love to say I sing, I sing best as a tenor, 10 or 15 miles away. Uh, I, also sing, I also sing a great solo song, Solo You Can't Hear Me. So those are my two song jokes. Uh, by the way, singing ability has nothing to do with this verse. As we said, some of the most heartfelt, beautiful singing I've ever heard came from people who couldn't carry a single note. I still remember, I can still hear it in my mind's ear. Uh, one Christmas Eve, maybe about 20 years ago, there was somebody who was singing Silent Night, and they were really loud and they were really off key, but it sounded beautiful. It really did. All right, we're gonna wrap it up now with this litmus test, verse 17. That is, that's the money verse in this group right here, the litmus test verse. This needs to be our yardstick, this one right here. Everything we do, from the moment we pull the blinds, look outside the window, get breakfast, get coffee, out the door, go to work, go to church, whatever we're doing, go to the grocery store, go to the store, do you need to pick up something? Maybe you're, you're, you're working on the deck. Oh, by the way, my deck is done. Thank, thank goodness. It took five weeks to get done. But I was, there's something satisfying about that because when I was doing it myself, I was singing. I was occasionally mulling over a scripture and occasionally singing something to the Lord or just having a conversation with him. It was, it was a fantastic moment in one time. I digress. I promised I wouldn't do that. So let me get back to this yardstick. Absolutely everything we do from the moment that we get up until our head hits the pillow when it goes down for the, for the rest of the night. Let's read it, verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, there's that word again, thankfulness, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Question. You know, I've been asking a lot of questions, but the question here hopefully helps you to focus in on what exactly this verse is trying to say. Whatever it is that, think of a task you're going to do today. Maybe it's to help out with the, the uh, car show today. Maybe it's, uh, it's going grocery shopping. Maybe it's giving the kids a haircut, it doesn't matter. Think of a task that you have going on today. 
Can you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God? Yeah. Is there anybody that says no? Well, there, there's a reason I'm asking, because this is a litmus test. Driving to work. Can I drive to work for the Lord? Yeah. Can I visit a friend? How about writing a letter? How about writing an email? How about a text? I've done all three of those this week. Can you do that? And do it in the name of the Lord? Yes, you can. How about taking a quiet solo walk down your street? Yeah, oh, I love doing that. How about a walk in the park? Yeah. If the answer is yes, and all of these have a yes to them, then go for it. Take God with you. Don't forget him. Because it can be the most mundane thing in the world. Mopping the floor. I got to mop the floor. I, I spilled apple juice on the kitchen floor. I got to mop it up. That's okay. You're alive. And take the Lord with you and talk to him while you're doing it. Great. Now, if the answer is, can, can you comfortably take the Lord with you? And the answer is no. That's an easy one. Then don't do it. What are you doing? Now, have I done things without putting myself through that litmus test? Yes. Have I done it recently? Yes. Have I regretted it? Yes. Absolutely. Don't forget that part of the litmus test. That goes for me too. That goes for everybody. If you can't take the Lord with you while you're doing it, whatever it might be, then the answer is don't do it. It's a great litmus test. It's phenomenal. So if you have to pause to think about whether or not you should take the Lord with you in that particular endeavor, then you need to pause and ask yourself if you should be doing whatever that is. These are only six verses here. But I'm sure you agree with me that these six verses are jam-packed with stuff that will help you navigate through life and help you navigate through every single day. There's great, amazing wisdom in here for living the kind of life that would make Jesus smile when he thinks of you. I don't know about you, but I love the idea that Jesus would smile at something that I did and nod in approval. I can see that in my mind's eye when I have paid attention to how he ordered his life and asked me to imitate that. That's my goal. I'm sure it's yours too. Well, not next week, but in two weeks, the first week of August, we'll be celebrating communion. We have two more Sundays to go in the book of Colossians. Next week, we're going to tackle verses 18 through 25. Not next week, uh, two weeks from now. So, spend some time in that passage of text as I've been 
encouraging you, look at it, read it, internalize it, and see what the Lord is telling you in, in those passages. I hope you've all been really enjoying this, but I've been enjoying bringing this to you because it's a good reminder even to myself because I need to remind myself, and this is a passage of, of Scripture that you can read almost every day and glean something out of it for your walk that day. It's that rich. Six verses. Six verses, and you can glean so much out of it, and it points to various other Scriptures as we have done in Ephesians and 1 Corinthians, etc., etc. So, uh, Keep this in your back pocket. Uh, when you're having a down day, read this passage. It's like singing a song to yourself and elevating your mood and seeing that you can put a smile on Jesus' face. Let's all stand together right now uh, and sing, not just from our lips and vocal cords, but let's do it from our hearts as I believe we have one more song. It's a video song. Great. All right, let's go ahead and do that. Well, Father, we thank you that we can all come here and study your word. Thank you that you went to a huge, huge, great lengths in order to get this word into our hands. We are blessed to be in this country, Father, but also comes with great responsibility. We as the church can no longer sit back and just hope for your return and, and hide behind a rock or hide at home. No, we need to be standing up at the, on the very peaks of our roofs, rooftops, symbolically, and spreading the word. Help us to snatch away from the gates of hell those people who are, are at its door. Help us to bring your word to the world. Help us to not be idle people and standing still and keeping silent, but rather opening our mouths and bearing witness to your son because he gave his life for us. Help us to do that. Give us the strength. Give us the strength to practice many of these things that we read about today. We're looking forward to heading out these doors because we know that you have a task for us to do, whatever it might be. Help us to do that now out those doors in Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you out there for some refreshments and hopefully back for the, um, the car show. Do, uh, Dennis, do we need to, nope, we don't need to move the chairs so those can stay put. Thanks everybody. <laughs>